Bibles this evening, we'll consider the sixth of those uh, six facets as it relates to the study of the scriptures and bibliology and all of this laying the foundation for our journey through uh, the place and the purpose of every book of the Bible. And uh, tonight, 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse number 9, I'll, I don't have a keynote for you, um, though it's a valuable tool, we did without them for 2,000 years, amen? So it's a valuable tool, but we can do without it when uh, we need to. It's been a busy few weeks for us, and uh, we are... But all that to say, that does not in any way reflect upon a lesser importance of this subject. In fact, in many ways, the subject of illumination may well be uh, the apex, and I'm going to uh, ask us to consider it as that uh, this evening. You know, light is important, isn't it? Have you ever thought about how important light is? Uh, I thought about even the third verse that Judson just passed over about uh, having this witness bright and clear and we're the light of the world. A humorous illustration of light. My daughter, Emmeline, sent us a video of Carolyn Wren and uh, one of my aunts sent her a toy, a little toy, stuffed animal, but it it sings music, it talks, and it's got this little belly that lights up. It's a button on the belly of this little dog. And you push it, and the belly lights up, and then it plays the ABCs, and it plays songs like that. And you know how light attracts. It just gets people's attention. I've mentioned to you before, David Edens, the missionary to Africa, told us that on a clear night, the light of a single candle is visible up to 12 miles in the Sahara Desert. Light is powerful, the importance of light. Anyway, Emmeline was showing us a video of this, and it just shows you how soon kids start to have awareness. I mean, here's... Baby Carolyn is nine, ten months old, and Emmeline would push that belly, and it would flash light, and the little thing would talk to her and sing songs. And at one point, Carolyn's holding holding this uh, little stuffed animal, and its belly is flashing, and she looks down at her own belly, and she begins touching her belly, wondering if her belly does what the belly on that stuffed animal is doing. Uh, but... Uh, Anyway, the importance of illumination, lighting up, and how light gets our attention. But I want us to consider this evening the importance of light as it relates to our understanding of the Word of God. Notice, if you would, 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse number 9. But as it is written, and then Paul here is quoting Isaiah chapter 64 and verse number 4, I have not seen nor ear heard, neither have entered into the heart of man, the things which God hath prepared for them that love him. But God hath revealed them unto us by his Spirit. For the Spirit searcheth all things, yea, the deep things of God. For what man knoweth the things of a man, save the Spirit of man which is in him? Even so the things of God knoweth no man but the Spirit of God. Now we have received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit which is of God, that we might know the things that are freely given to us of God. Which things also we speak, Paul speaking about his apostolic ministry, which things also we speak, now notice this, not in the words which man's wisdom teacheth, but which the Holy Ghost teacheth, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. But the natural man, this is Paul's terminology for the unsaved man, 
the unbeliever. The natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness unto him, neither can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. It takes the Spirit of God inside an individual having regenerated them to illuminate, to give them understanding in the things of God. Verse number 15, but he that is spiritual judgeth all things. He can discern all things because of the word of God and the spirit of God. Yet he himself is judged of no man. We'll talk about the meaning of that statement there in just a moment. Verse number a little bit. Verse number 16, for who hath known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him? Again, Paul quotes from the book of Isaiah chapter 40 and verse number 13. Who hath known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him? Answer, no one. Okay. But, verse number 16, we have the mind of Christ. In other words, we've been given help in knowing the Lord. And it's through the Spirit of God and this wonderful doctrine that we call illumination. Let's pray. Father, help us in our time together this evening. As we look into your word, I am grateful to you for how you've taught me, how you've grown me and challenged me. Lord, as it relates to my walk with you in preparation for this evening. And I pray that uh, your flock would be fed by the Spirit of God and the Word of God this evening. And I pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Of course, to illuminate something means to shine the light on it. And when we think about the effect of illumination on the mind and heart, it's the idea of to bring understanding or to give understanding. So illumination is uh, the giving of the understanding or bringing the understanding of Scripture through the Spirit of God shining the light of understanding, if you would, on the truths of God's Word. There are some wonderful passages in the Bible on this subject of illumination, uh, one that I would even call a heart-burning passage, and we'll talk about that one in just a moment. I think about Psalm 119 and verse number 18. The psalmist said, Open mine eyes that I may behold wondrous things out of thy law. And I think about uh, Psalm 119, verse number 98 to 100. Let me just turn there and read a couple of these. Psalm 119 and uh, verses 98 to 100. Oh, how I love thy law. It is my meditation all the day. Thou, through thy commandments, has made me wiser than mine enemies, for they are ever with me. I have more understanding than all my teachers, for thy testimonies are my meditation. I understand more than the ancients because... I keep thy precepts. And as you do an overview of the entire 119th Psalm, you'll find that multiple times the heart of the psalmist requests, give me understanding, give me understanding, give me understanding. I think about Psalm 119 in verse number 105. Thy word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path, that concept of light for illumination. In Psalm 119, verse number 130, the psalmist said, the entrance of thy words giveth light. It giveth understanding to the simple. I think about the disciples and their interaction both before they knew who Christ was and then once he had revealed himself to them after the resurrection Luke chapter 24 and verse number 27, 32 and 45, the disciples uh, on the road to Emmaus are talking about how their heart burned within them while he talked with them by the way. And the Bible tells us twice in that chapter, Luke 24, that the Lord opened the eyes of their understanding. That's illumination. 
so that they understood the scriptures like they had never understood the scriptures before. And I think about the, the importance of the Holy Spirit of God, and we'll talk about this more in a moment, to this work of illumination in our lives, our understanding being opened to the meaning of Scripture. John 14, 26, and John 16, verses 12 and 13, Jesus said of the ministry of the Spirit of God that when He comes, He'll bring all things to the remembrance of the disciples. And in verse number 12 and 13 of chapter 16, He will guide them into truth. And so the illuminating work of the Spirit of God. But why 1 Corinthians chapter number 2? Why is it so important for us? As I've studied and as I've thought back on what this passage has meant to me over the years as well, this text passage, 1 Corinthians chapter 2 verses 9 to 16, is powerful and unique in that it includes all six elements of bibliology that we have covered to this point, that we've considered over the past several weeks. We've talked about Revelation, God's communication of himself to mankind. We've talked about inspiration. That is God's careful protection of the channel, the channel through which he made sure that man got his very words. We talked about canonization, the, the rule by which a book of the Bible was determined whether or not it was to be included in God's word. We talked about preservation, God's careful and supernatural concern to make sure that succeeding generations had the certainty of the available and the accurate words of God and his overarching work and supernatural careful concern when it came to the copies of the scripture and translations of the scripture so that you and I can say with confidence that I have the very words of God in my hand 2,000 years after the canon was closed. We talked over the last two Wednesday nights about interpretation and that is rightly dividing the word of truth. Now, I want you to notice, with that reminder, I want you to notice something. Each of these doctrines is mentioned or implied in these verses. Notice verse number 10. When it comes to the things of God, verse number 10, but God hath, what's the word? Revealed. There's revelation. He's revealed them unto us. Notice, if you would, the first part of verse number 13. Which things? Talking about the things of God. Which things also we speak, not in the words which man's wisdom teacheth, but which the who? The Holy Ghost teacheth. That's inspiration. God breathed, not man's words, but God's very words. The Holy Spirit gave us the words of the Bible. Okay. And so inspiration. Canonization is more implied, but I want you to notice a prepositional phrase that's used four times in this passage of Scripture. Notice verse number 10. For the Spirit searcheth all things, yea, the deep things of who? Of God. Notice, if you would, uh, let's see here, verse number 11, uh, the last part of the verse. Even so, the things of who? Of God knoweth no man but the Spirit of God. Notice verse number 12. Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the, that spirit or the spirit which is of God. And so we're looking for the things of God. And here in this passage of Scripture, canonization is implied. The rule of Scripture that helps God's people determine what came from God and what didn't come from God. Okay, So canonization is implied. Preservation is here. The Apostle Paul quotes two passages from Isaiah 
that were written, get this, they had been written 700 years plus before Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians. And notice, if you would, verse number 9. But what are the next four words? As it is what? Written. It's that Greek word, gegraptai. It stands written. In other words, what Isaiah said back then, it has meaning, it has authority, it has application today. And the doctrine that helps us to understand that is the doctrine of preservation. Okay? And then notice, if you would, verse number 13 again, the last part of the verse, as we seek to understand the Scripture The Spirit of God helps us in this work. Notice this, of comparing spiritual things with spiritual. A synonym for that word comparing that Paul uses there is interpreting by. Interpreting spiritual things with spiritual things. And so also then illumination is here. It's the Spirit of God that helps us to gain understanding in the Word of God. Now here's what I want you to get tonight as it relates to the importance of illumination. It's as if all of these preceding five aspects of bibliology, revelation, inspiration, canonization, preservation, and interpretation, are all leading to coming down to illumination for the individual believer. Let me ask you a question, okay? As it relates to, just to help stress the importance of illumination. In a certain sense, what is the good of revelation, inspiration, canonization, preservation, and interpretation if there is no illumination. If there is not understanding to be gained by the individual believer. And so really, illumination, the Spirit of God helping me to understand the Word of God, His shedding light on the Word of God so that I, as a finite man, can understand the infinite truths of God's Word. That's the so what. That's what really matters for us. And so the doctrine of illumination, we could say it this way, the doctrine of illumination says God wants you to know his word. And we could take it even a step further. God wants you to know him through his word. So much so that this is his plan, this is his provision as it comes to revelation and inspiration and canonization and preservation and interpretation. All of it is coming down to the point of God wanting you as an individual believer to know him through his word. Now get this, if that doesn't encourage you, there's a problem. That's how much God loves you. That's how much God wants you to know him. Is that everything really narrows down to illumination, the spirit of God that indwells the believer, giving light on the word of God so that I can know the Lord personally. Now, uh, several thoughts here. The first is this, the purpose. What's the purpose of illumination? The purpose of illumination, twofold purpose. First of all, to meet our need. Why do we need the Spirit of God to illuminate our minds and hearts to the truth of God's Word? The purpose of illumination, first of all, is to meet our need. Folks, we are naturally limited. We're naturally limited. Not even talking about our being born in trespasses and sin and spiritually dead and separated from God. 
And that's what Paul's purpose in verse number 9 is. But it is written, as it is written, I hath not seen nor ear heard, neither have entered into the heart of man the things which God hath prepared for them that love him. Now, most of the time, and I've even done this before too, I've quoted that verse to talk about the inexplicable, indescribable glories that await us in heaven. I have not seen, neither has ear heard nor entered into the heart of man the, the things, man, we cannot even imagine what heaven's going to be like. I'll just say this, that's a great application, but that's not what this verse means. Okay, Keep your hand here and go to Isaiah 64. I hope I didn't just burst anybody's bubble, okay? Isaiah chapter 64. This is the passage Paul is quoting. Notice Isaiah, on behalf of the people of Israel, is begging God to move. Verse number one, Oh, that thou wouldest rend the heavens, that thou wouldest come down, that the mountains might flow down at thy presence, as when the melting fire burneth. So he's begging God, God, would you move in our midst? We need you. We can't do anything without you. Notice verse number six, their desperate sinful condition, but we are all as an unclean thing. And how many of you have quoted this in witnessing to someone who's depending on their religion? All our righteousnesses are as, a filthy, or as filthy rags. But now go back up to verse number four. Isaiah has highlighted man's desperate condition, how much we need God. Notice verse number four. For since the beginning of the world, men have not heard nor perceived by the ear, neither hath the eye seen, O God, now notice this, beside thee. In other words, anything that men have understood about God has been because God helped them with their understanding. By the natural eye, by the natural ear, and by the human heart, you cannot, I cannot find out and know God. God is not to be known intimately and personally through natural means. Now, creation helps to create the appetite, but a person's not just saved and can't know God personally just because they testify that there's a creator. Okay. Notice how Isaiah goes on. Thou meetest him that rejoiceth and worketh righteousness, those that remember thee in thy ways. Behold, thou art wroth, for we have sinned in those in continuance, and we shall be saved. Big picture here is this, is that Isaiah is talking about how much the people of Israel need God. They can't get to God on their own. Anything that they know about God was not learned through natural means. It was because God revealed himself and made himself known. That's the verse that Paul is quoting. And he's basically saying this, if you're going to know God, it's not going to be through natural means, through the ear and the eye and even the human heart. Job would ask this question, canst thou find out God by searching? Is there any man that seeks after God of his own initiation? Understood answer, no. Okay. So to meet our need, God gives illumination. We're naturally limited and we are spiritually limited. Because of sin, because of being dead in trespasses and sin, Paul would say this, the natural man receiveth not the things of God. In other words, if I'm going to find out the things of God, it's going to take the work of God in illumination on my behalf. And so the purpose of illumination is to meet our need, but it's also to help us to know. 
Several different times we saw the word no used in the King James Version. Even so, verse number 11, even so the things of God knoweth no man but the Spirit of God. Verse number 12, now we, receive, have, now we have received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit which is of God, that we might know the things of God. Verse number 14, the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, their foolishness unto him, neither can he, what? Know them. Verse number 16, for who hath known the mind of the Lord? And the idea is this, in and of himself, who's known the mind of the Lord? No one has. If I'm going to know anything about God, it has to come from God's revelation and the Spirit of God's work of illumination. What else is interesting is that though we see one English word for know in this passage, Paul uses two different Greek words, one that speaks of a head knowledge and one that speaks of a heart knowledge, a knowledge of experience. And essentially what he's saying is this, is if you're going to know God experientially, you've got to have the Spirit of God. Otherwise, you just got an intellectual head knowledge, and that's not enough to save you. That's not enough to bring you into personal relationship with the Lord. What are the things... That illumination helps us to know, verse number 9, the things that God hath prepared for those that love him. Verse number 10, illumination helps us to understand the deep things of God. Getting beyond the surface level, but to really know God personally, intimately. Verse number 12, illumination helps us to know the things that are freely given to us by God. Uh, in the original, the idea of those things freely given to us is the things that we've been graced with. The things that we've been graced with. And it's through illumination that we know those things. And then verse number 16, it's through illumination that we learn the mind of the Lord. What a wonderful collection of things that God wants us to know through illumination. But I want you to notice, secondly, not only the purpose of illumination, but number two, the person of illumination. And this is important. Just answer out loud. Who is the person of illumination? The Holy Spirit of God. The Holy Spirit of God. Paul's logic is this. Is notice, if you would, uh, verse, let's see here, verse number 11. For what man knoweth the things of a man, save the spirit of man which is in him? In other words, I can't walk up to Gary Maldiner and know what he's thinking. If I'm going to know what he's thinking at a very practical human level, if I'm going to know what Gary is thinking, what do I depend, have to depend upon? I have to depend upon Gary's self-knowledge, his internal spirit knowledge of who he is and what he's thinking to communicate that to me. So Paul's logic is this, is you can't just read someone's mind. If you're going to know what's going on in the inside, they from within have to communicate it to you. And so he's creating a comparison here for the sake of illustration. That is this, no man in and of himself can know what God is thinking. And to know the deep things of God, the revelation of God, it takes the spirit of God in order to communicate the truth of God to us. And that's why his part in illumination is so important. Uh, we had to take the dog to the vet today. And in the rain, I dropped off Elena. She took Loretta in and checked in. And uh, I parked the Suburban. And then I came in. And uh, when, we, when I came, after we had already had the appointment, got back home, Elena said, Dad, you'll never believe what happened in the waiting room before you came in. She said the funniest thing. She goes, there was this elderly lady sitting there with her little toy 
dog, and she said, Daddy, it was not an attractive dog. I think she may have even used the word ugly. <laughs> she said, Dad, it was an ugly dog. And then this nurse that was checking everybody in, you know how nurses, you know, veterinarians, she, she came over and she goes, oh, what a cute little dog. She's going on and on about this dog that Elaine had already concluded that is not a cute, that's an ugly dog. And the nurse comes over and she goes, oh, what a cute dog. And the owner of the dog This elderly lady with this little ugly toy dog looks at the nurse and she says, I'm not sure about whether or not he's cute, but he has a nice personality. (laughs) That's classic right there. Nobody would ever know. You know, a lot of people, if a nurse would have come over and said, oh, that dog, your little dog's so cute, they'd have probably just taken it. They may have thought on the inside, no, actually, this dog's very ugly. (laughs) Okay. But what did this lady do? She just came right out with what she was thinking. If she'd have never said that, nobody ever known the hilarious thought she was having. Okay. So Paul's logic is this. If you're going to know what's going on on the inside of somebody, it takes their spirit from within communicating to you. And if you're going to know the truth about God, it's going to take the spirit of God communicating. And get this. The Spirit of God, when it comes to his role in illuminating and giving us understanding to the Scripture... The Spirit of God is not an inner light. Okay? He's not a warm fuzzy that a person has. He's not a feeling. The Spirit of God is is not an automated recording or replay of communication. This is amazing, folks. The Spirit of God is a person. He's a person who, because he is God knows everything there is to know about God. And God has given to us the Spirit of God, the third person of the Trinity, to live inside of us to help, among other things that he does, to experience the blessings of this illumination. I, reminded, I was reminded this, uh, this afternoon about a vacation that we took to the Outer Banks years ago and we went to Kitty Hawk where the Wright Brothers first flew their gliders. We went to the Wright Brothers Museum and I'll never forget, you know, there were parts of the museum, if I remember correctly, and I've been in other museums like this where information was communicated through a recording. You push a button and you stand at a display and a voice comes over, pre-recorded voice comes over and tells you some kind of information or fact. Okay, I get that. But you know what most of us do with that? We like keep on walking. But I'll never forget, right there at the replica of the Wright Brothers glider, they had a retired, he was a black guy, a retired Air Force colonel whose whole life had been flying. I had never seen anyone so excited about yaw, pitch, roll, lift, thrust, drag. I mean, his eyes lit up. And he's describing it and acting it out. I mean, here's this man, this retired guy, and he's describing it, and he's dis- telling us what each of those things mean and how it works on the body of an airplane as it flies through the air and how it gets. And I'm and I was locked in. Why? Because we had a real person. I want you to understand something. Every time you open up this book, there is a real person available. To help you and me understand. The person. He is a person who is God. 
He is a person who has perfect knowledge of God. He's not limited. And I can't take the time to get into this, but he is a permanent resident inside of you, believer. So the person of illumination, the purpose of illumination. Thirdly, the process of illumination. God's part in this work of illumination is that he gave us the spirit of God at salvation. And the spirit of God lives within us. Ephesians chapter 1 and verse number 13 and following, we are sealed by the Spirit of God. Paul would say in chapter number 4 and verse number 30, we're sealed by the Spirit of God till the day of redemption and the Spirit of God living inside of us. He opens the eyes of our understanding, Paul said. He gives us insight into the meaning of God's Word. And so that is God's part. I love what Vance Havner said, and this is a little bit of a paraphrase. He had just a a down-to-earth, blunt, come-in-the-front-door way of saying stuff. That's North Carolina evangelist for you. Vance Havner said this when it came to communicating spiritual truth of the Word of God to a, a lost man. He said, you might as well describe the sunset to a blind man. You might as well ask a nuclear physicist to discuss his science with a monument in a museum. You might as well try and catch a sunbeam with a fish hook. He said a PhD for a man that doesn't know Christ and tries to understand this Bible doesn't stand for a doctorate in philosophy, philosophy but for a phenomenal dud. So God's part is to give us the Spirit and what a gift we've been given. Amen the person of the Spirit of God. What is our part? Our part is in faith to receive the Spirit of God at salvation and then to make our life a welcome home for Him and to respond to His leadership in submission. As I think about our part, I think about what Paul says in verse number 9, that God has prepared these things for them that what? Love Him. Isn't it interesting? Right at the beginning, if illumination is really going to accomplish its work, not only does it necessitate that a person be a believer who's indwelt by the Spirit of God, but that there be a heart of love because love is at the basis of relationship and that is the purpose of illumination is for us to not just know about God, to know His Word, but to know God through His Word. So the importance of love, the importance of the words of God, and knowing the words of God and bringing ourselves under the teaching ministry of the Spirit of God and gifted individuals and the important part of comparing spiritual things with spiritual, as Paul mentions in this passage, and then exercising discernment as well. We could talk about the importance of application in our own lives. And not just saying that's a nice passage of Scripture and a nice truth, But Lord, work this into my life. And do you know one of the ways God does that many times is through suffering. It is good for me that I have been afflicted that I might learn thy statutes, thy precepts. What little I've suffered in life, I can tell you this, that I have learned more about God through my suffering than all the good times in life. 
So application, the importance of meditation, meditating on his word day and night, ruminating on it, mulling it over and over. And by the way, that's crucial to application. Joshua chapter number one, it is meditation on the words of God that is the key to spiritual success. Verse number 97 of Psalm 119, we've already mentioned this. Oh, I love thy law. It is my meditation. How often? All the day, all the day. Time, it takes time takes good books. You say good books. Where's that? 2 Timothy chapter 4 and verse number 13. Paul said, bring the books, especially the parchments. He's saying, bring my Bible and bring the books. I don't know what books they were, but Paul wanted them. Memorization. I think about Mary sitting at the feet of Jesus in contrast to Martha and the Lord clearly saying, she hath chosen the better part. So our part. And then fourthly, and I must move to a conclusion, and that is I want you to notice the product of illumination. When we prioritize God's work of illumination in our lives, through our love and through bringing ourselves under the words and the teaching of Scripture and comparing Scripture with Scripture and learning biblical discernment and how to apply the Word of God in my life and whatever situation I'm in and meditating on it and giving time to the Word of God and good books and memorization, all these things. What are some things that I can expect? What's the fruit that God produces in my life through illumination? Notice, if you would, verse number 5 of the chapter. The Apostle Paul's longing when he came to Corinth and preached was to preach in the Spirit of God and power, not with man's wisdom, but in the Spirit of God and power. Why? Verse number 5, that your faith should stand in the wisdom of men. Okay? Not in the wisdom of men, pardon me, but in the power of God. So a mature faith is the product of illumination. Where you see immature faith, you know that there's been something that's been stymieing the light, quenching the light, dimming the light of illumination. I think, too, about another product of illumination is the imparted glory. Notice what Paul says in verse number 7. We speak the wisdom of God in a mystery, even the hidden wisdom, which God ordained before the world. What are the next three words? Unto our glory. It's kind of a big word that speaks of the blessings that God has in store for us. So a product of illumination is the glory of God and his abundant blessings at work in our lives. We've been blessed with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. And we've been given all things that pertain unto life and godliness. And so the imparted glory of God, the blessings that we experience, another product of illumination is experiential knowledge. That is not just knowing about God, but knowing God personally. Have you ever been around someone that you just knew? They know the Lord personally. Not just know a lot about God, but know Him personally. Near where I grew up in northeast Missouri was a small Civil War battlefield. uh, And there was... A battle that took place, this place called Athens, Missouri. And one of the unique aspects of this battle, about a thousand men on each side, north and south, the commander on one side had two sons fighting on the other side. And the commander on this side over here, I can't remember if it's north or south, but the commander gave the command, fix bayonets. And the commander on the other side 
heard the command and said, he's not going to do a bayonet charge. And a young man standing by his side said, oh, yes, he will. And the commander said, how do you know that? Because that's my dad over there. He had an experiential knowledge, he knew. The difference between an academic knowledge and experiential knowledge, one of the wonderful products of illumination is experiential knowledge, also capable discernment. Verse number 15, the first part of the verse, but he that is spiritual judgeth. It's the idea of grasps or discerns all things as he grows. He grows in his understanding of the things of God and how the Lord works. Capable discernment. Also spiritual impact. Another product of illumination in our lives as we grow in our understanding of the word of God is spiritual impact. Notice the second half of verse number 15. Yet he himself, talking about the illuminated believer, the spirit-indwelled, spirit-taught, growing believer, yet he himself is judged of no man. The word judged there is the idea of discerned or grasped. In other words, a plumber who knows deep spiritual truth can baffle a Ph.D., And it's one of those things where a lost man has a hard time understanding believers sometimes because we've been illuminated. A good Bible illustration of this is the book of Acts chapter 4 verses 13 and 14 when the council of the Jews (laughs) brought these Galilean fishermen, disciples of Jesus, in before them and the Bible said that they took knowledge of them that they had been with Jesus men who otherwise they had said were ignorant and unlearned men. These men weren't educated, but they had been with Jesus and it gave them spiritual power and impact. The fruit of illumination. And then Paul also says another fruit of illumination is when man in and of himself cannot know the mind of the Lord, can't tell God anything, he knows it all. But notice this. We have the mind of Christ to be able to understand things that we otherwise could not understand. And the mind of Christ helps me to know the mind of the Lord. And so here are these wonderful products of illumination, a mature faith, imparted glory and blessing, experiential knowledge, uh, capable discernment, spiritual impact, a Christ-like mind. I was thinking about Judson this afternoon. So think about all these fruits and how often some believers, they don't maximize all of these fruits, these benefits that are available through the work of illumination. I love this about Judson. If it has a possibility of working, he finds a way to make it work. With our vehicle, he's found out that vehicle, white suburban, will do things that I never even realized it could do. But he's like, hey, Dad, watch this. And he'll push a button. And I'm like, when we were first learning how the seats fold up automatically, I pushed one of the buttons one day with my head leaned in the door, and that seat released and hit me right in the side of the head. I can just imagine Judson going, oh, Dad. He called me the other day. He had figured out on his old truck how to tap his phone into the radio so that he could call me. He just learned how to maximize stuff. I'm way behind the curve on that kind of thing. But do you know what I do want for myself and for all of us? Is to learn and to maximize all these things that God has prepared for us. 
that he has made available for us. I like what one man said about illumination in the Spirit of God. He said, Scripture is like a working museum of which the Spirit is the curator, showing us around and explaining the wonders of the mind of the Maker. In this museum, we are taken behind the scenes to learn from God Himself in growing to know God. Therefore, there is no substitute for the discipline of Bible study and Scripture reading and meditation. We cannot bypass the handbook God has given to us and then expect that we can know him in our own way. The only God we can know in our own way is a God that we make in our own image. So the importance of the Spirit of God in our understanding of Scripture. So as we think about illumination as it relates to your life and mine as an individual believer... I trust that we've been able to see tonight that in many ways it is the apex, it's the climax, it's the zenith of God's plan. As we think about these six aspects of bibliology, revelation and inspiration and canonization and preservation, interpretation, it all really comes down to illumination. God has given us the spirit so that we can understand the word of God so that we can know God personally. So let us not just bypass briefly over illumination. Let us understand these are the lengths that God went to in order for you and for me to be able to know him through his word. That is God's plan. He wants us to know him. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word tonight. Lord, I pray now as we go to prayer for these requests that have been mentioned. I ask you, Lord, that our hearts have also been helped in our knowledge of you, our understanding of you. Thank you that the Spirit of God prays and intercedes from within us. Thank you that as we pray and as we learn more of you through the Word of God and the Spirit of God's ministry, that we have a better understanding of your capacity to answer prayer. So I pray that we would come before you this evening with a deep and and a matured faith in your ability to hear and to answer prayer. And I ask these things in Christ's name.